Movember is the annual mustache growing event in the month of November to raise awareness for men's health. In honor of that, we'll be discussing cancer screenings for men, learning about why not to delay them, and what type of screenings to get. We're going to talk about it with Kit Kelly, oncology navigator and registered nurse for Tenant Health Central Coast, Sierra Vista Regional Medical Center. This is Healthy Conversations, the podcast from Tenant Health Central Coast. My name is Prakash Chandran. So Kit, really great to have you here today. You know, I just noticed in your title, you're called an oncology navigator. So could you start by telling us what that is? Yes. I like people to think of us as it's the first time when you walk into a very busy airport and then you look at the directory of where to go. Now imagine that directory as an interactive person, someone who knows the airport really well. So that's really what I do. I'm the first line of information for anyone who has uh, recently been diagnosed with cancer or about to receive um, cancer treatment in, in the hospital. The first thing that they do usually is that they get the result read or disclosed by the uh, physician. And after that, there's a whole host of problems that comes along with, the, with that diagnosis. And it could be a form of psychosocial, it could be clinical, it could be financial. And, but whatever it is, they tend to bring out the inner anxiety or the inner fear. And I think the oncology navigator is there to listen first and then to address each of their concern and questions one at a time so that they, the patient can make the most informed decision moving forward. Yeah, that is an amazing description. I've never heard an oncology navigator described in that way. And the position is so because there are so many different types of circumstances that you have to deal with or route people kind of to the right place that your job must be one of extreme empathy and understanding, I imagine. Is that correct? It does require a lot of, again, what, what I call therapeutic listening. It's listening with the with empathy and really find out what the patient is trying to tell you and be able to translate that into or describe it as a barrier or identify as a barrier so that you can help you can help the patient and their family members moving forward toward that goal and to advocate them and empower them so that they could exercise their own rights. It's important that we don't assume that everybody wants uh, full treatment, and it's important to to give people all the information. Again, this is about informed decision-making, and it's ongoing because conditions change mm-hmm. as well as uh, clinical and people lives change. So today we're discussing cancer screenings, and I imagine that there are a few that men should be aware of. Can you speak to those? Sure. I think the, the two most important ones that uh, we like to make it very clear to most men are the GI, which is the, the abdominal or cancer or colorectal, what we call colorectal cancer screening, because it predominantly happens in, in both gender, but for men especially, the idea of a colonoscopy, which is the gold standard of a screening, can often gets in the way, the vision of the idea of getting colonoscopy can often deter someone, most men, from not getting one. And again, this is not a theory. This has been, there's been many articles that addressing this inner 
I, what's the opposite of the word desire? The, the inner fear. It's really not a fear. Most men would not say, oh, I'm not afraid. I just don't want, I just don't think I need it. Because screen, the word screening implies that we're doing it before there's a problem. And most people tend to believe that, well, since I don't have a problem, I don't need a screening. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And being 40 years old myself, I have a lot of friends that fall into this category. As far as I know, the new screening age is 45 years old, but I still have friends that say, hey, look, that's way too young. I don't have a family history. It's not something I need to be concerned about. So is that true? Is 45 years old the correct age to start your screening process? You are correct. 45 is a new recommendation, um, and that's assuming that you have no history of your um, first-line, first-degree of relative, meaning that you don't have a brother or sister or parent that has colon cancer. If you do, we actually would encourage for you to, with your primary care provider and discuss that in what we call a shared decision-making. In other words, we're not going to make a blanket recommendation that if you have a first-degree relative who have colon cancer, you should reduce it to aging by 10 years in 35 instead of 45. But we do encourage you to have a very early conversation that, listen, doctor, my brother just had colon cancer and he is, you know, he's alive, but I'm now 35. What should I do? That's the beginning of a shared decision-making. And it's a very smart, simple, and very worthwhile conversation to have. With the absence of first degree, the relative, then 45 is a recommend. And this is a data that is, has been compiled worldwide and not just in the United States. You know, one of the things that you mentioned was that if there was that first degree instance of cancer, then 10 years before is a good idea. So instead of 45, 35. However, are there other risk factors that should be taken into consideration that one might want to get screened sooner? You know, a, that, that's a tough one because the, and, and the reason why it's so is because they, the cause of, of the colon cancer comes from many places. It could be environmental, it could be uh, hereditary, it could be lifestyle. And I think to single one out, not only is, may sound unfair, but it's also unproductive because it creates a false sense of security for, so if, if someone would have, you know, high fat diet caused colon cancer, that would you know, allow someone to say, but I don't eat high fat diet, therefore I'm good. And that's just not true. And that's why screening, and that's why the large, I mentioned that this is a large set of data. And screening is a public policy. It's a health public policy. And it is recommend to be inclusive of all types of lifestyle, dietary choice, age, gender, geographic. So I think it's more productive in any kind of conversation, unless it's one-on-one to say that 45 is the best age to be unless you have reason to believe that you should have it sooner or later. And again, but just having that conversation alone is very, it's very smart. So a good choice to to move forward to decide when to have it. Yeah, that makes sense. One of the things that you talked about was that the colonoscopy was the gold standard for colon cancer screening. But are there other types of colon cancer screening that people should be aware of? Yes, there are. There are a lot of, um, usually the one that most people are aware of, at least in the United States or 
in most developing countries, you can do what we call a stool test, where you can submit your stool sample, and you can do this. It's a basically that you can get it from your primary care center or hospital or insurance company, and you submit your, your sample through a mail or a, a drop-in, and then they can the, the facility can send that to a lab and try to do a, a basic screening to see if there's any reason you should get a follow-up. But keep in mind that these type of screening does one thing, but it doesn't do the most important thing that colonoscopy does, is that colonoscopy not only put a visual, meaning that it put the physician eye right into your organ, the internal part, it can also, and it and physician will also remove the potential polyps, which is, think of polyp as a baby cancer, remove them before they even become a problem and get them diagnosed through a pathology to make sure that the uh, that what we remove is truly was a risk. So no other test can do that, which is why it's a gold standard. But again, it, it requires a partnership, meaning that someone has to pick up the phone and say, hi, I would like to make an appointment for a colonoscopy. And we can talk more about that, but but to answer your question, yes, there are other screening. They can only do detection. They do not remove the risk while it's, they're being detected. Okay, understood. Yeah, I was just going to ask you about that. So it sounds like when you're doing that gold standard colonoscopy, it's looking for polyps. And polyps are kind of these small precancerous type formations that can actually be treated during the colonoscopy. Is that more or less correct? Yes, by removing them and putting them under the microscope, we can actually identify that what we remove is truly a precancerous. And the more we remove, the lesser chance. Now, the one fortunate thing about most cancer, and, and let me really clarify that the word most is not all, but most are slow growth, meaning that it takes time to, be, to fully develop to become a uh, health problem or to become a life-threatening situation. In other words, the polyps are early stage. And because if you can remove them before they become a problem, then you literally buy yourself five to 10 years. And that's really is, that's the goal. That's the end goal of everything of cancer care is to allow a person to live their life without having to deal with cancer. Absolutely. So, you know, one of the things that I know is that a lot of uh, the screening that we're talking about sits firmly kind of within the gastroenterology discipline. So I wanted to ask, what sets Sierra Vista's gastroenterology program apart from others in the area? Well, you know, like most other dis- most disciplines, there are a standard and then there are higher standards. Pretty much everywhere you go would have a standard, just like any form of credential. The higher standard that we're talking about here is the American Society of uh, Gastrointestinal Endoscopy, or ASGE, that you'll see. Regardless of what facility, if the team that is providing them is performing is ASGE certified, they are basically follow a much higher standard from the very first phone call that you make all through the very end. And and let me just make it very simple analogy here. Any medical procedure is as only as good as the team behind it. And the SGE, what it does is that it allows the preparation of the patient, which is the key to the colonoscopy. Uh, a poor preparation 
basically would render the, the actual procedure to be far less effective. So that's where the SGE really, they do really well. They do a really good job on preparing the, uh, the patient. And the second factor is uh, the, the actual, the, the physician and the skill set behind it. And these skill sets are very simple to categorize, shall we say. It's the number, it's, it's like an archery who hit the bullseye all the time versus the one who hits on the outer edge. Mm-hmm. So the MD that hits the bullseye all the time are always, almost always able to identify the polyp as the camera is going, moving toward the colon and be able to remove them. And these are data that is collected and compiled, and you can actually see that the physician who belong to the SGE have a much higher number of the bullseyes meaning that they can identify the polyps and they can remove them far more often than the team that is not. So, Kit, I wanted to move the conversation on to lung cancer specifically. You know, mm-hmm. I had a close family friend uh, die recently of lung cancer a couple months ago, and my wife's grandfather just passed away, unfortunately, last week from lung cancer. So, it is something that is prevalent. I think that everyone either has a family member or knows someone that has passed away from lung cancer. Why is it such an issue for men? Well, a lot of it has to do with the historical fact that the back in the late 50s and 60s, a lot of men smoked. And, and that the, even though society has moved forward and toward lesser and lesser people of smoke, men still predominantly, at least in the age of uh, 40, 50, 60, and 70 now, have history of smoking. And there's a lot of misconception out there that, oh, yeah, my dad smoked, but guess what? He quit smoking 10 years ago. He should be fine. And as much as that is true in a sense that he is no longer inhaling those toxic chemicals, the fact that he historically has been smoking for quite some time and quit the last 10 years does not preclude him from, he's still in the high risk category. And therefore, the lungs, and and what makes lung cancer so deadly is because like everything else that deal with the respiratory system, basically airway is the number one life-threatening situation, whether it's an acute accident or disease. COVID, as we are in the middle of it right now, it's a respiratory infection, which is what makes them deadly. Lung cancer are essentially the same thing. It's basically a tumor that grows within your lungs, either in one side or both, and it's interfere with your ability to breathe. And therefore, it kills, and it kills quickly, and especially at the late stage. So lung cancer screening, what it does, and this is where people may not finish their thought when they think about lung cancer, is that it really allowed the medical team to see where it starts to form. And just like most tumor, every, all cancers start very small and it's progressively grow. The faster it grows, the more problem it becomes. So the idea is that if we can catch them early, we can actually treat it. And we have gone a long way in terms of the ability to treat lung cancer. But we are, we're good to nothing if we, can't, if we don't know that it's there or by the time we catch them after a patient becomes symptomatic. You mentioned if we catch it early, and that leads me to the question, you know, how does a man know when he needs lung cancer screening? What age should that begin? And then finally, what does that screening look like? So basically, right now that we recommend a 50 to 80-year-old 
patient, male or female, with the history of, of smoking. And let me just leave it at that for simplicity's sake, simplicity's sake, because I don't want people to get lost or argumentative about 18 years versus 21 years. If you have smoked in the past and you're in the age of 50 to 80 years and you are asymptomatic, meaning that you don't have any problem right now, you can live your life, you can go for a hike, you can carry on, but you have a history of smoking, you are qualified and you are recommended highly to get the low-dose lung screening. And the name of the screening is low-dose lung CT scan, which is the CAT scan. And it takes literally a few hours to go in there. It takes less than 10 minutes to be under the machine. And the exposed radiation is no more than what you would have gotten by flying from San Francisco to New York. People do that without blinking an eye. Hundreds of people do that daily, and there's no problem with that. The low-dose lung CT scan is approved and is recommended. It is highly effective. So we're kind of talking around people that have a smoking history, and I'm assuming that smoking is the main reason for developing lung cancer. Is that correct? That is correct. Gotcha. Just as we start to close here, we've talked about two things, you know, screening for colon cancer and screening for lung cancer two very important topics. What do you say to men that have been putting off their regular cancer screenings or just haven't gotten one? Uh, You know, I get asked this a lot and it is almost perplexing. But if I could leave just one thought is that we all, if you make it to be 50-year-olds, you have made so many good decisions in your life. You made a decision to so that you last this long. Whatever decision you make, whether it's investment, buying property, buy a house, go to school, take care of yourself, eat good food, uh, exercise, all that decision, none of them at this point, if you're 50 or above or 45, none of it is any less important than get cancer screening. And I, I can only say that the people who have not addressed or pick up the phone and do it because they haven't thought of it. Because life is busy, life is challenging. The society is moving; things are moving fast, and, and you're so busy, worry about things you can see that you can touch, things that affect your wallet, things that come through the mail, and somehow you forgot that the very, very mechanism that you live in, your body, is the number one investment that you should pay attention to. Unfortunately, when you're young, like most of us, you often I do too. We take our body for granted. But I think it's time. And I hope that people will take the message and give yourself a little time to, to invest yourself into to get these screening because they're simple, they're effective, and they, they prevent so much suffering, not just for yourself, but for your family. You work so hard to get this far. You, you build up that nest egg. You build up that career so that you can get promotion, you can get job security, you can have retirement fund, and yet without the body to enjoy it, without the physical health to enjoy it, none of that matters. So put your own body, your lung and your colon, right up against your 401k, right up against your children, your child, your, your dreams, whatever it is that you may have. That's my hope. My hope is people will just stop and think for a little that, that we have these options, and they're so simple. It takes one phone call for you to do so. Can't really think of a better place to end. I think you said it all there. And it has certainly given me just a sober reminder of how 
precious life is and how important being proactive with one's health is. So thank you so much for your time today. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. That's Kit Kelly, Oncology Navigator and Registered Nurse for Tenant Health Central Coast Sierra Vista Regional Medical Center. Thanks for checking out this episode of Healthy Conversations. For a referral to a board-certified physician, please call the Sierra Vista Regional Medical Center and Twin Cities Community Hospital Physician Referral Line at 866-966-3680, or you can visit tenanthealthcentralcoast.com slash oncology. If you found this podcast helpful, please share it on your social channels and be sure to check out the entire podcast library for topics of interest to you. This has been Healthy Conversations, the podcast from Tenant Health Central Coast. My name is Prakash Chandran. Thank you so much and we'll talk next time.